Okay. Well, folks, thanks so much uh, for joining us. Welcome to another episode of Joe's Tango Podcast. And we this is our first group uh, chat that we've had. And I, uh, I got to credit our good friend, Maxfield Wallen Fisher, there in the striped shirt for coming up with the idea of having multiple people. In this instance, multiple musicians giving various perspectives. So great. Welcome, you guys. Thanks so much for being here. Great to be here. Yeah. All right. So with, I'll introduce everybody first. Uh, well, ladies first, we have uh, Amy Solera and you're in, you're in DC, right? Yeah, uh, close enough. I'm in Silver Spring, Maryland. Silver but... Spring. Okay. That's where my nephew was born. Oh. Yeah. And then we've got Maxfield Wallam Fisher in the striped shirt. I'm and in we DC. Have, yeah. yeah, Max is in DC and in New York City, we have Stratos Akratis, yes. wonderful singer. Thank you so much for being here, Stratos. Good to see you. Good to see you. All right. So um, we came up with some questions. Uh, Max gave me some really good ones yesterday. And uh, we'll start off with one of his. So, yeah, in the last five years, how has uh, tango music changed in the U.S.? And how has life as a musician um, for you or as a culture changed? (laughs) Me? Sure. We'll start with you, Stratos. So as far as the East goes... Mm-hmm. music goes I think the last five years there is a, a fresh movement of musicians that popped up the local community and they evolved what they learned mm-hmm. to something really fresh and new like Max and Haney um, I remember five years ago when Max was trying to put together an orchestra in DC that was not even available mm-hmm. it was just um, and no, no musicians that could play that music. And as far as New York goes, there was a movement of Argentinian musicians that came that moved to New York City uh, recently in the last five years, like Emiliano Messies, uh, Pablo Estigarribia, Javier Sanchez, also in the last five years, and some others that I may not remember very well, but there is, uh, there is more orchestras, there is more tango music, uh, more albums coming out mm-hmm. so it's for sure there is a second i think um golden maybe silver era mm-hmm. of tango yeah uh in the east coast any how about you what are your thoughts i second stratos i would say that from observing what's helped this new era of tango musicians is the role of social media has played mm-hmm. a very important role We now know who each other are and having that knowledge of who everyone is, the, the, the ability then to work together. Mm -hmm. So like, for example, Max has been able to fly in musicians from different parts of the United States. Um, I'm able, I've been invited or I was invited to play at different places, um, before all of the pandemic started happening. And that's really because of the role of social media. And I would say that was a big change. Also, because of the role of social media, what I've cha- seen changes that live tango dancers want to dance to more live tango music. Mm. That's changed significantly in the last yeah. five years. Yeah. It was a very defensive attitude towards very live music before. Right. And I think it has to do a lot with like a lot of the new tango orchestras in Buenos Aires got savvy and mm. did really good videos with dancers in their videos. And then that spread throughout the world. And so then tango dancers in the United States said, oh, we want that. Mm -hmm. 
And then finally, through all of that, what's happening, because Stratos is very involved in the New York tango dancing community, Max and I are very involved in the tango dancing community, mm-hmm. tango dancer communities now have loyalty to their local musicians. Mm-hmm. So there's this desire now to, there's local pride in that we have X. Mm-hmm. And that support has been very vital. Nice. Yeah. yeah. I remember and then, the dancers actually, when I was speaking to them mm-hmm. before Milonga with the live music event, they would say, oh, there's live music. You know, they would make a grimace or uh, they, they wouldn't like the idea that their dancing to recorded music would be interrupted by oh. something unknown or something. And we, I would, I would also speak for myself, we're not also very experienced, so we would play it by instinct and not mm. so much f- from knowledge, so. Yeah, I think um, we've all, musicians from the United States have gotten like literally better, you know? And I think that's because of the social media. And I think it's because a lot of us have very close ties with the dance community. And as we've gotten to be better dancers and better musicians, that's gone hand in hand. We've known how to serve each other better. And then backing up all of the social media and the fact that we know each other have been these um, summer uh, institutes, just like tango dancers go to festivals and learn from different teachers and connect with each other. Um, these summer festivals, whether it's uh, Stowe or the Tangero Workshop now in Toronto, or of course, uh, Tango Para Musicos in, uh, in Portland at... Uh... Reed College. Thank you, at Reed College. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping to go to this summer until, uh, you know, all of the, the pandemic started. All of that has, tango is always a very like in-person sort of personal connection kind of thing. And to be able to come together and learn from each other is really good. And then of course, like the, the dance community, those institutions have all pulled up um, people with, with deep, um, long musical ties from Argentina to help, to help teach and help people really participate in person with the culture. And then um, we've all gotten a lot better. And the people who go to those take that back to their local communities where they have the local connections with the dancers. The dan- they talk about that. The dancers can feel connected to the global musical world a lot more closely. Um, and of course, the quality all around gets better and better. And we all want to work more and more with each other because we're excited every time we're together. It feels so exciting to be able to play music of, of that better and better ah, p- you know, tango pizzazz and, and, and quality and energy. Yeah, yeah, excellent. Yeah, so I got a question for each of you. So, you know, Max is a cellist, Amy plays a bandoneon, Stratos is a singer. You've all had quite a bit of uh, tango music experience now. How have your personal styles changed over the years? Well, start, Max, we'll start with you. What was your, when you first started doing tango, uh, on the cello, what was your style then compared to, to now? Well, I think a lot of musicians come into tango through Piazzolla, just knowing that. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously I came in as a classical musician who'd vaguely heard of Piazzolla. In the beginning, I think I, my style is just, uh, I know more. <laughs> I've been exposed to a lot of other styles. The more, whether it's, it's I, you know, I've gone through large phases of, of Darienzo or, or sort of Pugliese and other things. And the more you get to know every different style, the better control you have over all your articulations and the better you can be at everything. Um, so uh, I think sometimes my interest shifts, I would say, in energy level from mm-hmm. like, 
really pounding stuff to more uh, melodic and, and smooth things. And that might have to do more with just my personal like life and feeling than it necessarily does with, with my tango style. Mm -hmm. uh, my goal is to be as, as good as possible at all the, all the styles or everything I can and to still have a personality myself because I've, especially coming from the outside, I didn't come up in one thing or the other. I was literally in Wisconsin for a long time, like just trying to get any information I could and all of it was exciting to me. I think right now my style has gone from more, because we have the opportunity, an interest in, in, in a sort of a smaller chamber thing to really big sounds, but then also to uh, really virtuosic creativity back in that really small area, like in the duo with Annie. Okay. Annie, how about you? Can I hear Stratos' answer? I'm curious. Okay, Stratos. <laughs> so my personal style and musical style since mm -hmm. I began. Yeah. Thinking, first thing that uh, somebody who starts something new, they, they copy, right? They don't, they don't really feel it deeply. So just copying the sound of what other singers would sing and mainly the, the knowledge I had back then was from the classical era of tango, like mm -hmm. 30s, 40s, right? So something that we have kind of lost the line of evolution there. So it is hard to copy that because the body was different, the culture was different, everything was different. So I could kind of mimic it, but it was not, I was not feeling it deep, you know, deeply. Mm -hmm. And I would say I would be more harsh in how I would approach phrasing and the music mm -hmm. because I thought the power and the, um, the power of the voice in tango came from force but it didn't come from force but it came from feelings and come from like deep interpretation and uh, also the language um, prosody like the, how, how the language uh, in um, in the porteño accent was was built mm -hmm. musically uh, so I think I got them softer in my approach, interpreting, and just by also what what Haney said before, we have like now the new scene of tango in Buenos Aires, and I I listen a lot of that to see how people there approach their you know the music nowadays, and not you know it's not like a dinosaur you just move it to the present, it's just how it has evolved in the you know in 21st century. Um, it's not what, it's not Angel Vargas style, it's not Raul Verón, they are amazing singers, but you cannot sing that anymore. It's something that needs to be the sound of present, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, you cannot just be copying what you learn, it doesn't go anywhere. You need to have the, you know, elements of jazz, of modern music, of the modern classical music of the 21st century. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think I got softer and I got deeper to my feelings because I also learned the language. Mm -hmm. So that helped a lot also to find um, there some hidden dance <laughs> elements in the music because music and dance evolve together in tango. Mm -hmm. So dance describing music and music is describing dance. So all these help putting the, the pieces of the puzzle together and reinventing myself in tango because in the beginning was something that they just like a parrot, right? You, you, hear something and try to do the same thing, like in the opera. It's easy for somebody who does an opera to do a few notes here and then just pretend 
Mm. But if you really want to do it, you have to learn it. Yeah. Amy, how about you? I'm glad I listened to Stratus's answer first. <laughs> I've thought about this a lot. I've had this conversation a lot with my teachers. Mm-hmm. Specifically one. Most one linear players, uh, all instrumentalists have a specific sound. So people can say, oh, I know that voice or that thing. And so Max has been playing for since he was a little kid and Stratos, I'm sure, has been singing his whole life. So I'm mm-hmm. in the that process of learning your instrument to mimicking to now you have your own voice. I'm in the process of mimicking. Mm. I don't have a style. I'm literally, I, my, you asked me earlier what my practicing is. My, mm-hmm. Right now I'm working on this piazzola piece for violin and bandoneon, and I literally have the recording in my ear as I play along. And I try mm-hmm. to, to match literally exactly what is being done. Mm-hmm. And I'm learning another bandoneon solo by Leopoldo Federico, and it's the same process. I just have him in my ear, and I just literally do exactly what he says. Mm-hmm. All of my favorite bandoneon teachers told me that was their process. Okay. You're talking about people who started this process of mimicking in the 1990s. 30 years later, so you're talking about three decades, mm-hmm. I am saying, and another ethnomusicologist I know, Morgan Luker, is saying, we're currently seeing new styles in Buenos Aires now. Mm-hmm. There's completely unique sounds, um, but that only came after a lot of mimicking. Mm. I'm convinced that you can't come any, you can't come up with anything that's new unless you knew what happened before. Mm-hmm. You cannot rupture without that. So I asked him, like, when is this going to happen? When am I going to get my own sound? And <laughs> everyone's just like, totally like, Amy, don't worry about that. You just keep mimicking as much as you can, and eventually you'll sound like you. Amy, if you play in the orchestra like Leopoldo Federico, we're really happy, me and Max. <laughs> That's not the problem. Well, it, it, it's the same idea when I was young, when I started out and I was getting to know, I was lucky, you know, you, I was lucky to be able to play for really great tango musicians and I wanted, I was playing Piazzolla for them. They're like, you can't play Piazzolla until you've mastered Troilo and Pugliese and, and uh, everyone who came before, uh, DeCaro, you know. So just even to get to that point, and we're like, you know, a half a century or more past that too, you know, it's the mm. same thing, I think. Yeah. Well, a, a part of that evolution, you know. Yeah. Get, back, get back to me in 10 years. Yeah, well, it's, you're in a really exciting time right now, Amy. You're in that growth phase and we're, we're, we can kind of watch. First of all, I want to say something about Amy. Sure. She's not progressing in the normal rate. Yeah, her progression <laughs> rates are like logarithmic. She, she's like, you see one video and the next month is a different, mm-hmm. different person. Yeah. So I don't think she has to wait 10 years for that to happen. Maybe. Yeah, just, uh, it, it's just funny. Just, that kind of made me think of something. You just right now, we're in this really exciting time on the Stratos. You said we could be at a new silver or, or golden age coming up. So with, with the creating of, creation of, of new tango music today you know as much I, I was talking to Adam Tully about this the other day is like as much as I love you know how modern orchestras interpret the, the classics again there is this push to to move tango music forward uh yeah where do you where do you see that going as musicians the the creation of new tango music you want my answer I'm actually no I have so many opinions about this I know mm-hmm. and you get you have to go first this time <laughs> I'll try to make it short. Uh, no art form stops growing. If it stops growing, it becomes a museum. 
I've been asked by many dancers and I was even, I was part of, uh, I went to see my friend Morgan do a talk on the state of new tango. Mm -hmm. And the, so, someone asked if they, they, if he thought that the new compositions and composers would stand the test of time. Mm. And what, this may seem a little bit harsh, but I'm gonna say it. I, I don't think it's through anyone's fault. You, dancers in the United States specifically, for the, we're talking about in the, only recently, we're talking about the last three, four years maybe, weren't aware that there was new composers. They had no clue. The reason why I say this is because people would come up to me when they would say like, oh, you're learning Bandanyan? And they're like, that's so great that you're, you're, you're continuing this dead tradition. They didn't, they didn't realize, they didn't realize that there were new Bandanyan players. They didn't realize that there was this very important generation from the 1990s that created their sprays. There's just this huge gap in knowledge that is mm -hmm. being um, filled through efforts of the tango uh, music festivals and musicians who are currently working. So as far as new tango compositions, there's thousands. There's so much new music, it's ridiculous. What falls under the label of tango is this tango. It has been up for debate for a very, very long time and is still continuing. Is this a tango, yes or no? I personally find it very exciting. I love old music. I listen to a ton of old music, but if you just go to my like Spotify playlist, everything I listen to is current. Mm -hmm. Everything. Because it makes you appreciate what came before, I think, more. I think it's the extremes. I think that mm -hmm. you really don't appreciate how good something is unless you know both of what's happening now, what's innovative, and what happened before. I don't personally understand the desire to have something stay stagnant. Mm -hmm. I don't get that. There's nothing in my life that's like that. I, I'm, I work in medicine very closely. I've been working in medicine for 17 years. Mm -hmm. And just from what I've seen change in 17 years, I'm in a profession that constantly grows. So it's so it's Stratos. Mm -hmm. Teaching, Maxon, once I finish this, Max will tell you, like, he's highly involved in, in pedagogy. Teaching methods have also have changed. You, in your profession with audiovisual arts. Hey, so, Joe will make great stop motion videos till the end of time, I strongly believe. But he, I'm sure, and I'm speaking, putting words for him. I'm sure he appreciates stop motion video because of all of the change that happened. You saw how innovative that was back then and how Stratos had said earlier, but to do that, to continue to do that would be ridiculous. That wasn't our time. We aren't of that time. We aren't of that place. Stratos, you've got a new album coming out. Yeah. yeah. So where I see it going, um, I would say now things are more unified, like the information that we are receiving from other cultures and from the tango world itself. The tango world is like through the social media is one thing. You know exactly if you are attentive to things, you know exactly what this bandoneon player is uh, producing in Japan. If you're connected to the right people and you really want to know, it's so easy to, to know, you know, what tango bardo latest album is you just type it in your Spotify or Apple Music and you have all the albums there, you can listen everything. I mean, the people are talking about the negatives of technology, but this is amazing. You can listen to mm -hmm. to everything that you want. So you can learn and it becomes a new sound that I can see it more like it's like a world music sound. It's not only tango the way we used to know it. It has the base of tango, but there is a lot of world music element there. Because I hear the Italian bandoneon player, Paolo Russo, he plays different bandoneon from what 
the Argentinians play, for example. He has he carries something there. So that is impossible not to influence somebody who listens to that. They say, oh, you know, because somebody, culture and tradition is really good, but then it's kind of, it's like a prison sometimes. We like, mm -hmm. you know, we get there and we don't get out of this zone because it will, uh, it's not accepted or it will be, it's out of style. But then somebody who has, I see um, a French uh, accordion and bandoneon player, the, he has his base here in New York. Hey, Nate, what's his name? A, a bandoneon player, and he's in French. New York? French. Yes. He's in New York. Yeah. Anyway, he has, he plays Bayan, he plays the, the baton accordion, and he plays also bandoneon. And he, he's a jazz man. The way he plays the bandoneon, I haven't never seen anybody play like that. Play like that. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, tango gets influenced by all this movement that has embraced the entire world. You know, you see tango competitions and uh, events everywhere in Asia, people are crazy about it. So I think it's going to a more world music feeling and sound with some of the folkloric uh, elements inviting, uh, invading into that. And dancers may be a little bit, you know, scared in the beginning, but they will get accustomed to it, I think. Mm -hmm. I think we're in a really interesting place. Um, you guys talk a lot about how there are lots of different influences on any musician. And any mus I, I've never really met a musician who only wants to do, well, who only wants to do one thing forever. You know, they are, they're always changing, always um, have different backgrounds. I think we're at an interesting place where a lot of music in the United States, a lot of the tango music has reached a point where dancers are not only like it's acceptable to them, but more inspiring to them. So we've sort of got a, a little bit more unification there, which is really exciting and not at all how any of us talked four years ago, much less 10 years ago when I started this. Um, and, and that's fair because the musicians weren't good and didn't know how, well, you know, they didn't always know how to communicate with dancers, that kind of thing. Um, we also see, um, talking about the, the, the ruptura or the, the revolution or the, the era that we are going back to the 90s in Argentina, people who came up in different schools, whether they were being um, contrary, sort of revolutionary, or whether they were carrying on or trying to reinvigorate old traditions, all of those, many of those people have gotten also, they've been doing it for longer, they've gotten really good at their instruments, and then they've looked to play with other people, and they've gotten really good at the other styles. So there's a lot of, like, like Stratos is saying, a lot of kind of unification, a lot of people who are able to do all these different things. And we see a lot, I think the, the coming together of the dance and the music is really interesting. Where we go from now, and I think all of this comes in waves. If the dance, the dance and the music, there's always going to be music not remotely meant for dancing. But I will be very curious to see if dancing taste in music evolves with the music. Or if, because we see a lot of the dance bands talking about imitation versus eventual evolution, we see a lot of this rise of dance bands playing old music. Whether, I mean, whether it's, it's my band or uh, a lot of folks in, in around the country, or you know anything like Romantica, Milongero, the, the folks who are really popular in social media, these other things have made their name playing old songs. So we've, we've reached this point of imitation, not just for our own growth, but in the dance community. I don't know where it's going to go, but I would love to see dancers become so interested in live music that they can't help but be carried along as the music progresses, at least in certain areas of the music.
I will say this in from my experience in Argentina. It has a tendency, the United States has a tendency to see movements delayed. It has it because of how um, Argentine musicians just usually would travel. Generally speaking, they get tours in Europe and they get tours in Asia. They don't really get a lot of tours in the United States until the last two years, where we saw, we saw the Juan Darienzo doing a tour, the Romantico Milanguero did a tour, and that was in like last two years. Cachivache. So, um, but usually they go to Europe and Asia. From my trips to Buenos Aires, I did yearly trips to Buenos Aires for four years. The first time I went, I specifically went just to see live music in Milongas. And the only time I could see live music in Milongas were in the underground ones, where the young ones were, where mm -hmm. people didn't dress up. And within four years, within four years, there was live music almost every night at the more classic ones. Um, which, so in, I saw a huge change in four years, which is nothing. So La Viruta started doing a thing where like at 1 a.m. Um, they would always have a live orchestra. And so the amount of musicians that started playing for dancers just became huge in Buenos Aires in four years, which was something I could not, I did not see. If that trend continues, um, the, the trend I started seeing towards the end of my stay in Buenos Aires is that now that all of these groups started playing the old stuff, they're now writing a lot of compositions specifically made for dancing. And um, in the dancers in Buenos Aires, they dance to it. It doesn't even phase them. They don't think, they don't say anything about it. It wasn't even... The process, right? Yeah, it was, it was, it became very naturalized. And then the, the third thing I started seeing, the third trend that I started seeing that was very interesting, a lot of the professional tango dancers who do tango shows, they started doing tango shows not for tourists, not in like the major highways, but like as artistic expressions. And then the music that they used was all of the leading new composers, music that's not meant for dancing. So that was very, very interesting to see professional tango dancers for their shows as artistic expressions chose to use contemporary tango musicians. If history repeats itself, we will eventually see this trend in the United States. It's just, it'll just be several years behind. Yeah. Kind of like how, how fashion appears in Paris yeah. and then it makes its yeah. way across the world. Yeah. That's my, that's my prediction. Okay. Actually, my favorite choreography is from my last uh, trip to Buenos Aires of uh, famous couples were with the modern music and not with old music. Mm. And uh, for some reason, these songs are like imprinted in my mind right. and these choreographies. Yeah, another specific musician question for you. So I, I concentrate more in the world of dancing. So, you, you know, I, as I, when I started out, I just became more fixated on the danceable. Yeah tangos so since as you say there's so much tango music out there that's not necessarily meant for dancing do you think it would benefit tango dancers just to sit down and listen to that kind of music do you think the i guess the the, the non-danceable tangos even though you don't dance to it would it benefit dancers to listen and to I mean, do you think that would actually make a dancer better just to have a broader understanding of just music in general Stratos? I mean, well, <laughs> for sure, it, it would help everybody to listen to any kind of music. And it will broaden their repertoire, their mind, 
the ability to create as music evolves, right? And it's not like everything in four equal beats and one strong beat, you know. I have a feeling, but I don't want to say it loud too much, <laughs> that because something that's local, mm-hmm. sometimes people say, oh, yeah, there's, there's that musician. We, we know they are very good. But they don't really go to the concert or really go and just listen to it just to feel it. Mm-hmm. Because there's somebody local, maybe like a maestro that goes to some other part of the world and people are like, he attracts everybody and everybody's so eager to learn from them. Because they are local, they are not taken as, not seriously, but mm-hmm. people do not pay attention as much to what's mm-hmm. happening or something. I see that a lot in in concerts I've presented in the last several years. If it's something that people know they can dance at, they they'll come in droves. And if it's mm-hmm. something where we'll play some of the same music and then some other you know things, three or four people from the tango community will show up. Um, I I think that's starting to change a little bit as they they know us better, you know. Um, and like for instance with the, the duo with Amy, you know, we have sort of a, a different you know, look at that and you can talk about that. I was going to say something. Oh, so something I'm interested in doing. My answer, of course, is yes. I think if you want a very mm-hmm. technical reason, I, uh, music not for dancing often goes into much more sort of complex uh, rhythmic and, and melodic patterns and having those in your head, they're an expansion and an extension of, of tango feeling and tango ideas or bring other things in. And, and that in your brain makes so many other connections and and helps you sort of you know be settled if that's a a very technical answer Mm -hmm. the way that i hope to trick people into i mean uh really bring people into this uh this idea is i'm interested in presenting um events that involve like uh sort of an expanded um performance or show not necessarily in the middle of a malanga because that can really kind of mess things up um, but, you know, sort of at a, at a place in the beginning um, or, or something that, that evolves into something else, whether it's really distinct or a little bit more fluid, um, that allows for people to um, viscerally and in person experience the, that, that depth of expression of the extended, you know, feeling. And like Amy was saying, it'd be wonderful to work with dancers who then are interested in interpreting that and working with that in their sort of more complex and virtuosic ways as, as a performance. So I would love, I see tango as this extremely rich culture and that I don't, there's no, doesn't have to be really distinct lines between tango for listening, tango for anything else, and mm-hmm. one's participation in those things. Um, obviously that's not practical necessarily every day, um, but to have sort of in, in festivals or day long settings, an idea of, of, a, of, a, of fluid sort of transition between um, participating through watching and and experiencing through your own your own dance, you know, I think that can be a really a deeper experience. Amy, how about you? Thoughts? Uh, I said something about this last time I was on oh. your podcast. Mm-hmm. I thought about it a lot. Yes, you sh- you should listen to. Mm-hmm. This is my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> yes, listen to lots of music, but because I like listening as a hobby, like I like to go to concerts. Anyone who followed me for the last year realized that that's all I did. I practiced and I went to concerts. <laughs> I recognize that not everyone, that's not their hobby. Mm-hmm. Their hobby is to read or, or to dance. So they're not going to dedicate a lot of time to listening because it's just not what they do. Mm-hmm. So for those people who don't want to dedicate a lot of time to listening to complex music, then don't listen to a lot of complex music. Just recognize that there's value in that. 
I think sometimes people come put something together that if I don't like to do something, then it doesn't have value. Mm -hmm. No, you just don't like to do it. So <laughs> it's that simple. Mm -hmm. I've gotten to the point where I am convinced, however, that if your hobby is to dance mm -hmm. and your goal is to improve in the dance, you will always hit a plateau if you don't know how to listen to music and to listen to it very profoundly and because the activity of dancing requires so many neurons and we're not good at multitasking mm -hmm. that the only way to really listen to music is to sit down and listen just to do that one activity if you do not take the time to just sit down and do that one activity for hours i do think your dancing will hit a plateau yeah and it will always limit your dancing to very specific music mm -hmm. it will shut you out to other music and as long as the djs and the tango community and and milongas agree that only a certain set of music will be played then it's no problem but if the trend changes and i think the trend will change mm -hmm. eventually milongas will start playing other music they are doing it now they're doing it in tango festivals at the 5 a.m., 6 a.m. I'm starting to hear all sorts of music that was never played before, and now it is. So as a dancer, if you want to improve and you want to participate, if the trend changes, and I don't know if it will, but if it changes, it's going to keep you out of the loop. So why not just do it now? And it's not just under the moniker of alternative either. It's tango. Yeah. Right, it's, yeah. It's not the alternative malonga. You're right. Yeah. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm really glad you, you said that. I mean, when I was uh, DJing, I would, uh, you know, I put in my playlist together and I always kind of, well, this song's not danceable. And then I would just kind of put it aside. And then, you know, I'm thinking, am I missing a whole world out here, you know, it's because I was just so fixated on something that you can move to. So, yeah, ah. yeah. sit down and listen to, to all kinds. Good. That's something the tango community has to decide on their own. You know, pe people go to Malongas because they want to have a good time and they want to enjoy themselves. And over time, that will be decided naturally and organically. Yeah. So another question. This is, again, this is a really good one that Max uh, sent to me last night. So you're all really wonderfully accomplished musicians. You're still rising. Uh, so what has or who made it possible to help you get to where you are today? Everyone knows my answer. Stratos, tell me. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Take things from the beginning. I think Octavio Brunetti was the first person actually that uh, was the click for, for me because I was not even sure I want to do tango. He just great inspiration and was a very important person. Then I think my my relationship with Max was also something he left. Sorry, Max. No. <laughs> Don't be too sorry. <laughs> sorry, I had to plug in my computer. Okay. I think also seeing somebody who um, started around the same time evolving with you, because it's nice to get inspiration not from uh, accomplished musicians like Octavio was, but also seeing somebody evolving with you, it's also very, very motivating. It makes you, gives you such a boost of energy, dedication, inspiration, and everything. And I think we kept contact and we kept, you know, playing with each other, exchanging ideas, 
that helped me a lot also. Also, the, the members of my band, uh, Mauricio Naft, Javier mm -hmm. Sanchez, Pablo Lanuguer, also very helpful in, on a daily basis. They are there to advise, to, to motivate, to cheer you up. I have also mental, uh, also people who are in Argentina and I have contact with and I've been taking class when I go. Juan Villarreal, Maria Jose Mentana, um, and some dancers actually who are contributing to my musicality and my dance also, my social dancing, it's, it's all connected. Guillermo Barrio Nuevo also has been really, really close friends to, to me and inspiration Carla Marano here. So that's what I can think of right now. For me, I agree with what you're saying about having people around you who are, are working on things. You know, I can uh, I can talk about how I've, I've been able to study each summer with Julian Peralta, and that's really inspiring, and being able to perform, you know, there. And I can name drop having lucked into being able to perform with anyone from, you know, Victor Lavagen to, uh, you know, Hector Del Cuarto and other people like that. I could go on and, and do that. Because I think all of us can, because there's access, which is a really beautiful thing about mm -hmm. being a learning Tanguero, is it's a small community and you can really access a, a really great wealth of people. Um, but if I really talk about why I can play tango now and who've helped me along, um, like the first name would be Daniel Stein, um, who's this phenomenal violinist and one of my closest friends. And he, uh, he had been learning tango for a few years, so he was you know, on his, his trend of studying and learning, but was, you know, I think he was 10 years older than me when I met him, and I've known him for 10 years now, so that's kind of fun. Um, but uh, <laughs> uh, uh, he was, uh, sort of took me in and, and we became close friends, but also um, he taught me a lot, not just about how to play tango, but how to study tango and how to care and how to present concerts that are, are relevant and how to take care of the people around you, how to, how to be, uh, uh, look after your musicians and be loyal to those folks and look for collaboration. And then, you know, the, the two people in front of me here, having been in New York six years ago and not been the most happy person there and having met Stratos and that being like, probably the, the, the most relevant part of that year. It's, it's not a wasted year because I was able to play music with Stratos and, and become friends, close friends with Stratos. And um, now, you know, to you heard before we started this call, Amy giving me a hard time about making sure I got back to her with a video and, you know, being pushed and inspired by the people around you, watching Amy um, learn as much as she, she can and, and then her bringing, uh, you know, that, that back to, to me and like being able to advise me and all of you, just all of it ourselves being close um, collaborators, professionals, and, and friends is extraordinarily inspiring. So I'm always, I've always liked being a musician and, and tango for the community. Um, but uh, we have the resources and the ability to learn from these wonderful people, but then having the connections and ability to play. And, you know, I'm not a good organizer or administrator. But the only uh, we talked about this on last time I talked to you, the only way for me to play tango is to do that, especially eight years ago, six years ago, five years ago as a cellist from Wisconsin. No one cares. Uh, you know, so if I want to play tango, I have to I have to and I want to to make friends and, and, and to make those connections. And that's that's what keeps me going. Um, everyone knows my answer. Um, Santiago Segret was very in, in, important in my learning about Leon. Without his mentorship, I would not have learned it. 
Um, so I've known him for four years and meeting him was very life-changing. After that, I would say um, now we've, I'm transitioning from that mentorship into a new mentorship with Ramiro Boero. Um, and Ramiro, how do I put Ramiro? He, he saw a side of me that I didn't see. And it was, he just saw me, he just sees me as a bandoneon player. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And so it was him, literally, it was one of our last lessons where he was just like, you know, Amy, he's like, I believe more in you than you believe in yourself. Mm-hmm. And he was right. And so I've been working with him now for the last year. I, now he asked me, I'm sending everyone videos. Now I send him videos. Um, and uh, having, having someone just take me very seriously, someone of that level was just very important. It was very important to have someone that I respect and admire just be like, yeah, you're a bandoneon player and I expect you to be that way. And if you don't, if you're not at this level, I'm going to tell you. Number three was what Max talked about. Uh, I don't like organizing on big scales at all. I organize myself very well, and I don't like to organize other people. (laughs) But to create things, you have to do things outside of your comfort zone. So meeting this woman, Petaro Selser, she is 31, was very important. She gave up her career in medicine. She was going to med school and decided to learn to play the violin at 21 years old, which no one does. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And she she learned the violin gave up med school and now she has her own string orchestra and taught herself to edit. She just, she literally can do everything. And, and to meet someone who is a woman who learned an instrument later in life and gave up an entire career where her whole family thought she was crazy. I just really related to that. Mm -hmm. And so I was just like, if she can't do it, why can't I? So I came back home and I told Max, I remember we had this conversation. I was like, Max, you and me, we're going to do this. Okay, done. And then like everyone is saying, having a partner like Max say, okay, not hesitate and be all in with you and to just really work with you in, in, in projects that are very important to you. It's very motivating. And then five, I, I can't say this enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, the community in DC, I love very much. They have been I couldn't ask for a more supportive community of they literally saw me start from zero and they just always show up. Good. Good. Yeah. It's great to have that, that support. I think Annie, you brought up something really important that, you know, you know, as, as accomplished as we are, we always have, you know, there's always that voice in all our heads. I think we all have that regardless of what fields we specialize in. There's always that, that little head voice in our heads that sort of uh, kind of tries to convince us to doubt ourselves or, you know, it kind of says, are you really good enough to do this? You know, and it's, that's what stops a lot of people, otherwise really, you know, wonderful people from being successful. So that's something we are going to have to deal with, uh, you know, going forward. So how do you deal with that sense of doubt, that little, that nagging voice in your, in your head as you push yourselves forward? I hate letting people down. Mm -hmm. So I make myself very accountable. Okay. That's why I don't, I've, I've given someone a video every three weeks for four years. That's why I now do it to some other poor man. That's why I hassle Max. And that's why I, I hate not 
I hate not delivering. I hate it. Mm-hmm. So if I do, if I make myself have to deliver to someone, they're going to get it. Mm-hmm. Even if you think you suck. <laughs> Same thing. I'll put myself in a position where, and this is talking almost more about events than about playing, but like, it has to happen. I'll like have some idea. I'll be like, okay, we're going to do this. I don't have money at all, you know? And so if the event's going to happen, I have to make it happen. I have to pull enough together for it to happen. Um, uh, and then also, I think in the beginning, having done this for 10 years and, and starting as a, a little kid in, in Indiana and Wisconsin, what in small towns or medium sized towns, once I moved to Madison, like, um, I didn't think I deserved it. I, I just came at it from not just doubt, but like, no, I don't know anything. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I learned two things. One, that kept me learning. It kept me looking for stuff, which was good. But if I presented myself that way, which is how I do, because I'm also very, you know, self, you know, demeaning, deprecating <laughs> uh, Wisconsin, you know, Midwestern mentality there. If I present myself as some scrappy little thing you shouldn't pay for or care about and ask to be invited somewhere, people aren't going to really take me that seriously, or at least they, they didn't. Um, and a lot of, you'd see a lot of other people and you'd be like, well, who'd put on a, a big puffed shirt and, and be something, you know, and I'd be like, they'd get the gig and I'd be like, oh, really? You Okay, I guess, you know. Um, so I've had to learn to present myself and then try to live up to that level. Like you, like Annie was saying, it's all about accountability to other people. But yeah. I have to set an expectation for myself that's much higher than I necessarily feel. And then I have to somehow meet that. And I have to ask to be in the room with the people I want to work with, um, as opposed to sitting myself 10 miles away and hoping they notice me, which no one's going to do. And then you get better. Yeah. Still tons of self-doubt, of course. (laughs) Suratos, how about you? Okay, there's a lot of that on a daily basis. You know, I learned how to deal with it better, I guess. Mm -hmm. Use it uh, in a creative manner. I guess if I don't like something about how I sound, for example, uh, or um, some opinion or some, some comment, then I'll try to see, you know, what I, I can do about it. If it has something that's realistic that I can work on. Like, for example, you hear a recording of yourself after a while and you say, shit, I don't want I don't, I don't to be this anymore, you know? That's important, like the doubt there that you have. It's uh, the, a push to go forward. I don't want to be this sound anymore. I'm, I don't, I'm not that. I want to change like like a snake. You take out your skin and you go some, you do something else. And that's the the best change happen when in, when somebody doubts themselves. Mm-hmm. Also, it's it's nice to feel good about yourself because you have a good energy and you are open and you, you know. But also, doubt can put you to more studying, mm-hmm. to more to work harder. I think that's. The best work happens when you are in doubt. <laughs> when you are, you know, when I, around the same time, I met Octavio Brunetti and I, I, I knew nothing about Angola, just some kind of feeling about it. So I met another pianist. I met with another pianist who was not uh, nearly as accomplished as Octavio and uh, nearly as uh, um, strong musician as he was. And he told me about it. 
I, I don't think you can do that. It's not, you don't, you're missing this and that. He told make a few comments about my singing, which I had zero tango singing, of course. I had, mm -hmm. I knew nothing about it. How would he know if I could do it or not? And I said, shit, I have to prove, you know, anybody who doubts me that I can do it because I really desired it. It's not that mm -hmm. I want just to prove some, someone wrong just to do it. Something that I, I really like it. Mm -hmm. and, uh, so doubt, I think, is uh, is useful when it doesn't put um, obstacles on you. Just you can use it uh, creatively and um, what's the word, Max? Constructively. Uh, mm -hmm. Anyway, yeah, I think there's a lot of that on a daily basis, and just you learn how to deal with it and how to to use it uh, to work harder and be a better musician, a better person. I mean, it, I saw some comments and some videos I had on YouTube. And I had forgotten that I had them there. People were making, you know, mean comments about something that I had posted musical, and I I went back to it for some other reason, a random reason, and I I read the comments. I said, how somebody, you know, dedicates the time to write something so bad? Mm -hmm. And then another time, I went to another famous musician's page to watch a video, and I saw same type of comments on their page and for me they are up you know out there they are the gods of tango and they get bad comments you know shit you know even <laughs> them they get all these mean comments mm -hmm. i'm not but, gonna lie seeing my teachers and famous people like yeah. mess up or like uh <laughs> get, get a hard get given a hard time is honestly really inspiring i think it's really important <laughs> for my students to see that uh mm -hmm. for the like no one's perfect i find that extremely comforting mm -hmm to know that everyone has self-doubt and things impossible. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Good. Good stuff. Another question. So, you know, as you know, right now it's May, 2020, we are still in the midst of this crazy uh, worldwide lockdown. Uh, so I, when I was talking to Adam Tully the other day, he said something really interesting. He said, you know, yeah, you can, you can complain about the situation, but that's not going to do any good. You know, what, what can you build from this? What, you know, what other things can you explore? Uh, so, Speaking to the three of you, what are some, I guess, uh, new things about Tango or, or something new that you've created or something interesting that has happened to you musically uh, as a result of you having to carry on in spite of uh, this worldwide situation? Okay, mine's simple. I'm learning Pro Tools. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Which I, have, I would not have done prior to this. Mm -hmm. um, it's forcing, it's giving Max and I new repertoire that I would, it would never have uh, thought of doing repertoire for us. And I love it. I love it so much. I can't <laughs> wait to practice it with Max in person. Uh, and then, oh yeah. And then an organizer wanted to help local musicians. So he invited uh, several of us to do solo concerts like 30 minutes and I'm like, I have 30 minutes of solo bandanyan. So now I have to do 30 minutes of solo bandanyan. Wow. So those are, those are my three things. Max, I'm doing what you? Amy tells me to. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I've mentioned this on when we talked the other day, everyone's, mm -hmm. it's not like we all just have a lot of time and a lot of energy. Um, I, I've, I've definitely had a, a pretty rough rough time. I'm lucky because mm -hmm. I have a lot of students that I'm able to teach online. So nice. um, I'm able to keep living to a certain extent, not the same way. 
Um, but I found that really tiring. I had a, a breakup of a many year relationship that happened at the beginning of this, um, which has uh, not been fun uh, or energized me. And so I, th and everyone has stuff like that, it, whether it's adjusting to life with, with I look into families, um, I, you know, I work a lot with kids, so I see parents and, and their kids and the, the ups and downs of their relationships week to week. I'm not going to say I've had the most sort of personally insightful or productive musical experience yet. Um, but uh, we're, the stuff that Amy is, is making me do is really keeping me alive. Um, watching what other people are doing is pretty cool. Um, I, I'm also trying to work up, a, you know, cello is just not a solo instrument in tango, um, but I'm trying to work up a couple of solos and I've, I've created kind of some backing tracks so I can hopefully in the future do uh, the similar thing Annie was, was talking about with the same person and other, other things. It's coming slowly. I've made lots of promises to people like Stratos and other things that I will work on Still collaborations, waiting. and I have only held up some of those, um, some of what I said I would do, and I, I don't feel great about it. But it's, <laughs> it's, it's where I am. That's my honest answer. Like I'm, and we've we've got this going for a long time, so I look forward to having more energy and using the bits of energy I do on good things. I appreciate the fact that these two are still talking to me. <laughs> So for me, um, a lot of stuff. <laughs> the first thing that is, is happening is silence, right? More silence, less noise. Mm -hmm. Less noise means uh, you have the time to see deeper in yourself. And as a result of this, deeper into music. You can have the time to just see a musical score, see a song, see a piece, and just uh, work on yourself through that. As a, Music is a means that you can change things you want to change but life has like that such a pace that you cannot really because you have this concert and then this job and then these other things coming so you're only working on accomplishing certain things now there's no need for accomplishment of anything mm -hmm. other than online music collaborations that I've been doing looking into some Greek music with an actor from Greece I did um, with another pianist and now my band is almost i'm gonna release in the next days a song from our album we're doing it uh, an online performance we invited um an ex-band member who lives now in korea he's a korean singer and dancer in london so he's gonna sing a tango duet with me so you know finding things just to to study and work on, on yourself and yes. we find ways to do it you know Mm -hmm. One records first, and then the other one goes on next, and just have to study to do it very well on one take. What about you, Joe? Me, uh, I started a uh, online course on demystifying back saccadas. That that is like my favorite step in Argentine tango. So I like really, really break down these this this figure. That's my favorite figure. I know. You do also weird. with the change of embrace. Uh, yeah, a little bit. I talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of wrote my wife into helping me. <laughs> She's got a really tight schedule, but like, okay, you got to help me do it with this, with this step. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's just one of my favorite steps to, to teach. And, uh, you know, I see a lot of videos of that online and it's great, but no one's like really explaining what's happening. So this is one where I really, really break down all the elements. So, so it's not one of those steps that, uh, that's beyond your reach it is definitely uh, doable, so. 
Yeah. Me and Max are, are practicing this step, but the way we do it, we don't embrace each other. So once, you know, mm-hmm. goes to the back of the other person and stays with the legs open. <laughs> well, 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 the secret is, is, to, <laughs> is, is your setup. It's not the actual sakata itself. That's actually the easy part. It's your, right. it's your setup. Be careful not to kick each other. Yes, exactly. <laughs> We're in yeah. protective uh, equipment. <laughs> the one, th- the one thing that I do have that's that's the same ish is a radio. Uh, my weekly radio show oh, yeah. here in in DC on on uh, in Tacoma Park, Maryland, but mm-hmm. right on the border on on Thursdays at one p.m. Uh, Eastern. We still do that live and post that. That's what you have to about. advertise it more, Max. What you have to advertise it more. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so. Uh, Bienvenido all tango. You can find us on, on Facebook. But honestly, that's the one tango thing that mm-hmm. is consistent. We can't both be in the studio, so one person has to call in. Yeah. It's kind of terrifying to leave the house to get to the studio for the one person to do that, but mm-hmm. uh, that's still happening, and that's a, a way of listening to music and having – we always have great conversations. And yeah. Awesome. All right, Amy, where will you find out more about you online? Oh, you can find me either Instagram – Amy Solera, H-E-Y-N-I-S-O-L-E-R-A, or Facebook, same thing, H-E-Y-N-I-S-O-L-E-R-A. And Max and I have a duo, Arco Yaire, A-R-C-O, and A-I-R-E. Please follow us on Facebook. All right. Stratos, where do we find you online? So my personal Facebook page is uh, Stratos Aklatis, as a... my name here on this uh, chat. Then uh, the band has its own uh, webpage. It's lospeoresdeltango.com mm-hmm. and then a Facebook page, Los Peores del Tango. So that's where I post my, my news. All right. And then the Capo Tango is, is uh, my yes. orchestra. All of us play in that. Next time, we definitely need more voices who don't always play together. I look forward to hearing from, <laughs> from other, other people's journeys yeah. that... I love talking to people who've been entwined with mine, but uh, um, but you can find Da Capo Tango on on Facebook, um, and you can Maxfield Wallam Fisher. You can uh, Maxfield at moretango.org, I suppose, if you want to write to me. Awesome, great, great. All right, well, thank you all so much. We gotta we're happy to do this again sometime. Thank you, Joe. Good times. Thank you, Joe. You. Okay, that's it for today. You've been listening to Joe's Tango Podcast. I'm Joe Yang, and I'll talk to you again soon.